0: Win at Work & Life with Nikki Bush is the podcast where we explore what it means to win at both work and life. Today, you get to choose how to create a life of meaning and self-expression that includes both your work and life outside the office with your family. In this episode, I'll be talking to the tenacious and dynamic guru of sales, Shelley Walters. Whether you are employed in sales or not, everyone is in sales. Yes, even you. This is something I've been saying for the past 20 years to business people, educators, and parents alike, and it's time we really embraced it. Listen in as Shelly shares her passion for her profession and her four C's that you can apply to every area of your life to build in more success and more margin. Shelley is the founder of the Sales Council, the creator of Africa's first remote selling school, and is a top sales keynote speaker and winner of the pwc gender mainstreaming award in the category inclusive leader entrepreneur she also represents south africa as a panelist in the annual international women in sales awards in europe and she regularly features in the media welcome to my win at work and life podcast shelly and i'm so looking forward to hearing what pearls of wisdom you can share with our audience today.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor. I'm glad that you've reached out and I hope that I have some value to share and add.
0: Thank you. So what made you fall in love with sales? And, um, you know, is this where you started?
1: Yeah, Nikki, so I come from a bit of a rough uh, personal circumstance. I didn't have an easy upbringing. I stumbled into sales, or let me say, I was fortunate enough to stumble into sales Um, I was young. I didn't have the benefit of a tertiary education, but um, I'm driven by nature. Uh, I love learning and I like people. So I was given an opportunity when I was very young to form part of a team with a a very well known brand uh, in a very formal and disciplined sales environment. And I had a very good leader. Often those first leaders, those first bosses you have are just Mm -hmm. so formative. Oh, aren't we grateful for our mentors along the way? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and so, and then as I as it, as I began to mature, because I was only nineteen when I started, you know. So as I started to get to know myself in my early twenties, I realised that there were some qualities that I possess that really lend me to this particular role. Um, and you know, back in that time, Nikki, and the world was, is a very different place now from what it was in nineteen ninety nine. The world is a very different place for women. So women, you know, it was expected that you were um, quiet and attentive and high in conscientiousness and your administration was exemplary, you know, all of those good things. And I wasn't any of those. So what made me fall in love with sales was my history didn't matter. I was given a level playing field with anybody, didn't matter what their education was or where they came from. It was a level playing field. And I had every opportunity to actually win. And what was perceived as weaknesses in other parts of the corporate environment were perceived as strengths uh, in sales. And that was kind of how it began. So it began by necessity. But what it's meant for me, I mean, there's no way that I would be doing the work that I do as a professional speaker. I would never have founded this business, um, traveled all over the world. I was the first person in my family to possess a passport. And I've been to five continents, and I think it's it's 22 odd countries or something like that. And I have met and encountered incredible people. I've sold exciting products. Others, not so exciting. And as my career progressed, my love affair with sales, if you would, progressed as well. And then, you know, you learn that there's sales leadership and there's sales operations and there's sales enablement and sales logistics and there are all sorts of facets to this category that that often aren't um considered and over time finding my own little place here and my passion for learning and and working with individuals and helping their sales performance um, yeah it's just I feel you know I think it feels a bit like a marriage where you couldn't think you would have loved it more but actually over time it's matured and I do I do love the role
0: And that's so interesting because, you know, finding your voice is so important and you found your authentic voice and it's not a little space you're playing in. It's actually a highly influential space that you now inhabit in the sales arena, a leadership space. I've had my own experience with sales, which I really appreciate every single day. And I'm so grateful that I had a number of years actually in direct selling. And I know that, uh, you know, you have an opinion on sales and direct selling and, and the role it's played in the emancipation of women. And my comment here, apart from the female aspect of it, is that when you actually start selling at the coalface, you learn so much about human nature, and you would never have been able to have learned that or discovered that if you'd been sitting in an office behind a computer. So I found that the most valuable experience that has informed so much of what I do today because I understand human needs, how to read them and how to satisfy them. And that is very empowering both for me in my current position, as well as for those people I sold to many years ago and those people I recruited into teams many years ago and trained up to be great salespeople. Uh, and it's great for my clients today because I really do hone in on what does the client need and what can I do to help satisfy that need rather than just foisting a product onto somebody with no dip.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, you know, when, when people think about sales, and you hear people say, I don't like sales. What do they think about? They think about, as you said, you know, people who are engaging with no depth. They're very shallow. They're um, single-minded. They have their own ulterior motives. We don't necessarily understand that it's a very good fit. Um, it's about taking a solution to a particular business constraint or personal constraint or, or desire that you have to the market. So as an example, right now, we're working with one of the big mobile companies in South Africa on a training program for their technology services. And one of our core messages in the promotional material going out to salespeople is that technology is one of the most exciting um, categories that you could be in right now. I mean, the entire world is held together by technology, your medicine, your electricity, your water. I mean, everything is um, reliant on technology and it's enabling us to do exciting things like we're doing right now, recording podcasts and playing them all over the world and all of those wonderful things. But somebody has to take it to market. And everybody wants to be the person, Nikki, who's a successful business person. And yet there are so few people who are willing to put their hand up and go, oh, I'll be the one who will go out there and speak up. And it's a quality. Now, not all founders have this quality, but you look at Steve Jobs, and of course, Apple is the icon of the world or or whatever. And Steve Jobs was well known for being the key salesman in that organization for a very long time. And what you talk about, Nikki, and the, the, the skills that you learn, I mean, there's multiple skills. That we would consider core sales skills, like negotiation skills, questioning skills, meeting management, etc. But what you also mentioned is so vital, and that is the ability to manage multiple moving um, parts at the same time. Because if you think about it, we're in a world where the commercial environment is becoming increasingly complex. So the customer's environment is very complex. Often the organization that you represent is very complex. And the seller, now, what, whether that's an account manager or a business development officer or whatever name it is, right? That person who bridges that gap is a vital component in the customer's world and in the business's world. And, Nikki, what you're talking about, those dynamic skills, the ability to read the people, know how to respond, adjust, uh, you know, mid course correction in the middle of a conversation or whatever, these are things that are not easily automated. So when we talk about an age of automation and AI, and without a doubt, there are going to be parts of the sales processes that are going to be automated, absolutely. But if we think about this, and I mean, I'm trading, you know, I mean, I you know, much more about future than I do, so I, you know, I won't speak too much yet. But we often think about you know, sales as a dated skill. Will this still be relevant in the modern world, um, et cetera, et cetera? But actually, if you can, if you can predict. Uh, what's going to happen, you can turn that to artificial intelligence. If you cannot predict, if it's a dynamic engagement, you need human beings and human beings are going to be rewarded for that. And that is, as you so appropriately said, a core, core skill that you learn in sales, how to manage your internal stakeholders in your own business, in your sales manager, we won't tell them that right. But how do you manage your colleagues? How do you manage the logistics warehouse guy who doesn't want to get your stock out to your customer? How do you manage the customer? How do you manage the escalations? It is largely a game of management, but without the title.
0: Yeah, that's that's really interesting because I think when we think of salespeople, we don't think of them in this chain reaction. We think of the person in retail who meets us and wants to uh, help us fit the right shoe, for example. Yeah, I think we have a very limited view of what sales is actually all about. But when you talk about uh, automation, and things like that. It's about being the translator, I think, of matching the solution to the issue at hand. And yes, you get some real cheap and nasty salespeople who can't do that effectively. They're just there for the deal, to close the deal, to get their calm and run away. And that's not the salesperson you and I are talking about today. We're talking about a quality person who's in for a deep quality interaction to build a relationship with somebody who's going to come back again and again to buy in the future or is going to recommend you to somebody else and I always like to say to salespeople, you need to be the good book club story you need to be you need to be the uh, good cycling club story because when we talk about customer service we're talking about two things often and it's this person who sold you the product and did it actually do what they said it was going to do and then of course the customer service part you know did you get it on time um does it work if there was a problem did somebody respond to it how quickly and all of those things so um we talk around dinner tables we talk when we're riding our bikes at the gym or out on the road. These are the kinds of things that fall into everyday speak and they are what will either make or break you as a salesperson is the story you leave behind.
1: Yeah, and Nikki, let me say that first category of salesperson, right? The old second-hand car salespeople out there, so please, I'm using this as a stereotype. It's a stereotype uh, you know, that everybody understands. But that or the double glazing window salespeople, Their days are numbered. The internet and, you know, the proliferation. I mean, even even sophisticated sellers in a complex sales environment are challenged by the adoption of technology and learning to sell across multiple channels. Because customers are not expecting that an organization, not necessarily a person, but that an organization is responsive everywhere at any time. You know, whether I chat to you on the the chat on your website whether I send you an email or whether you send me a WhatsApp, you know, you need to be right up to date with what's happening all the time. So um, the, the sophisticated sellers are challenged. Those that you're talking about that are that are in it for the transaction are dead in the water, and they're going to find themselves under increasing pressure. Now, it's, and that's that's an unnecessary loss because it is within the grasp of any one of those individuals to go out there and learn the skills and apply themselves to actually learning what it is that customers want because. Okay, you know, on the one hand, I could say sales is really simple. Now, the truth is it's very nuanced and you know, the more complex, the, the more expensive the, uh, the, the product or service is that you're selling, the longer the sales cycle, the more people get involved, the more complex it gets. But at its core, you are entering into a series of discussions with somebody to persuade them logically and emotionally. It's not, you know, people don't only buy on emotion and people certainly don't only buy on logic. Um, you know, uh, well-rounded people, uh, these two things work together. But You could go out there and learn what it is that customers are looking for, and you could learn how to communicate with them, and you could adjust. You know, it's like anything else. So you've got to change. And if you're still selling in the same way you sold 10 years ago, well, hello, have a look around you. The entire world has changed in 10 years. 10 years ago, Nikki, I arrived in Johannesburg from Nelson Mandela Bay, and yes, Google Maps was out, but it wasn't reliable, and I still had a map book in my car, and data was expensive. And there were still people who had actual fax machines. The world's changed a lot in 10 years. So th- so that's the one thing I wanted to say. And then just going back to, you know, what sales is meant for women, it would be helpful to think of sales as a trade. You know, you could go and learn how to be a trade, you know, you could, you could go and learn a trade at any age. Now, I'm not suggesting for a moment that it's easy. And this is a more nuanced discussion. You need to consider, given your age, what is your area of expertise? What is your area of passion? What type of individual are you? And how would you sell? And there's many different ways of selling. You could be an introvert, you could be an extrovert, you could be somewhere on the scale, like most of us are. You could sell online only, you could sell in person, you could sell as a blend of online and in person. Uh, you could sit behind a chat box if that's what you want to do. There are so many different ways um, that you could actually do this. But that's what sales represented to women as far back as 1886. The world is a much better place for women than it was back then. I can't speak for anyone else, but I've just got to say, 1886, ladies, cast your minds back. No birth control. Okay. You're living in the constant threat of war. You have um, multiple children. Nine is not an, an unusual number. You have no washing machine, no microwave, no Woolworths, <laughs> no car. <laughs> Sounds um, dreadful.
0: Can we get off this, this bus? <laughs> <laughs> right. so, how, how, so, so where does sales fit into that?
1: Because women didn't have jobs. Well, this is it. So now in all of the scenario, your two eldest children, the one you meant to, to raise, you know, without any harm coming to them, they go off to war. So does your husband and they don't come back. And even if they did come back, you were on your own for three or four years. What are you going to do? You have no education. You're not connected. What are you going to do? And companies like Avon, um, and I mean, this is why we've got to say about direct selling, you know, it has provided, it's solved a real problem in a real market. And it is one of the oldest um, sales industries in existence, and it meant that you, as a woman, so to a degree, right? Especially in the direct selling environment, to a degree, you were in charge of your own times. So you could still be a mom, or you could study. Um, you, you were not limited by any politics. It really came down to only how much you could sell. And if you could learn how to knock on more doors, have more conversations, be more effective at those conversations, you would sell more product and you would make more money. And that's really what it came down to. And so. Sales, and then, of course, as we've already spoken about, sales is a role that evolves. So that meant you could then become you know, um, a head of your own kind of group, and you could lead that group and become an area manager or a regional manager or a sales manager or a sales leader. And so if you look at sales, Nikki, out of all of the professions, and of course, this does vary from category to, or industry to industry, but um, in some uh, um, markets like uh, the US, they say up to 70% of salespeople are women. Wow i'm not surprised
0: though because women are better listeners and better communicators on the whole because we're talkers uh, and we've got the empathy gene and the nurturing gene so we want to hear people's stories and we're prepared to sit and listen to them and tease them out of them uh, which then gives you more information to work with to then provide a solution for that particular
1: problem yeah i think you know i mean women depending on their life circumstance can be very motivated nothing more motivated than a single mother the the humility that we bring, you know, when I started in my career in 1999, if a man walked into the office, I would offer to make tea or coffee and I was not the tea lady. Mm-hmm. Today, I wouldn't do that. The world's, you know, is again a different place. But that humility that we bring, that yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full can actually be quite helpful because we're all willing to, some of us are better listeners than others and I say that because it's something I've like had to work at, but we are very used to biding our time. To you know, eventually getting around to being able to position what it is that we want, so we can uh, we can apply ourselves to the long game. Um, and also, Nikki, we're also very good at uh, forming allies with the internal advocates, which are often wives or um, uh, executive assistants, PAs, event organizers. So we can really form solid, good bonds with those. Not to mention the fact that now, thankfully, in 2022, I mean, I think 70% of my customers, in terms of decision makers, CEOs. Heads of department or whatnot um, are women, so of course that that means you know that gives us that um, that opportunity. But yeah, I think everything that you've said, and then you know that humility and that ability to foster the not so obvious relationships. Look, there are some disadvantages. I can't play golf and I can't drink tequila, so you know there's a <laughs> <That's> category. <nice>. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know there's a category there, um, uh, and and you know this is also why we've got you know we've got some guys on our sales team who absolutely love that kind of stuff, and when we have those events. And, then they go out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you've got the four C's for successful selling. Can you unpack those for us?
1: Yes. So, and this was really work that was born out of my own struggle um, with a mentor. Um, we were kind of hashing out this conversation. I was working as a reseller in a particular business and I just wasn't getting the traction. And I started to actually doubt as to whether or not I could sell, you know, and maybe somebody listening to this needs to hear that. There are very few people, and I'm not saying sales is for everybody, goodness knows. I mean, actuarial science isn't for everybody, accounting isn't for everybody. There's a lot of things that are not for everybody. But a lot more people can apply themselves to this if they, you know, than than, than they think, right? But you might have thought, well, I've tried it once or I couldn't do it. I saw somebody do it and I couldn't do that. Well, think about something like, uh, you know, I often think uh, if I had another life, you know, Nikki, I, if I had another life, I, I'd need about three or four lives because there's a couple of things I'd like to do with my time. But I'd love to work in real estate. I mean, what a meaningful transaction. You know, when people, I mean, I don't know about you, but if I think back to the house that I grew up in, I can remember that house. I could close my eyes and walk through the house. I remember every door handle, every light switch. You know, I remember the little streak on the bath.
0: It's part of your dna you know the, the the muscle memory the cellular memory is just so deep when it comes to living in one place for a long time it becomes part of your wiring in your sleep you can reach out and you can switch on the lights because you know where they are Absolutely. and that's the thing that shocks you most when you move out of that house is that nothing is where it's supposed to be
1: yeah yes that is true and you know so let's take that as an example there's the competency around real estate there's, you know, you've got to learn the legalities. You need to get your qualification in real estate and, and so on and so forth. But you've also got to have some clarity. You've got to know, you know, what category of real estate? Are you going to do rental? Are you going to do sales? Is there a particular residential area? Is there a particular property type that you want to specialize in? Is there a particular client? You know, you may resonate very well with a particular client group, and another client group may just not be your kind of people. So the first C is clarity. You know, what is your market? What do you represent? What are the right products for you? What, you know, and Nikki, I, I liken this to my business and even and, and the speaking work that I do. I don't like to do free work, so this is not an invitation. But what I'm saying is I'm so passionate about what I do that I would do it for free. And I, I I know I'm so clear about the impact that it does that I have no problem charging what I'm worth in the market. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So what, what are the things that you would sell or promote or talk about at length and it it wouldn't be tied to money because the truth is in sales as in business you'll have good months and you'll have bad months so you need to be very very clear if you're going to get through those dry spells the second is conviction now this is a very interesting one conviction is something that can come and go okay but many of us are settling for a life in which we don't actually believe conviction matters And I want to tell anybody who is in sales um, that you have the right to make decisions about your life in which you spend your time and your energy and you give endorsement. Because when you are selling a product and service, Nikki, you're endorsing that. And you have every right to use your skills for something that you actually believe in. And in fact, to do anything else is malpractice. And I say this can, can come and go though. So I mean, we don't have time to get into this today, but there's this concept around... Margin, right? And um, when you you need margin in your life, you need a gap between what you need and what you have. And when you don't have margin, there are things in your life that suffer. And one of the things that suffers the most is your internal uh, sense of purpose and conviction. When you are a mom, run off your feet. And I mean, Nikki, you're a mom, so tell me if this is true or false. When you run off your feet, from pillar to post, between work and home, family responsibilities, one crisis after the next. Is it true that there are days when you forget the meaning of being a mom?
0: I think there are days when you doubt a lot of things because you can't take your A game to every part of your life at the same time.
1: Yes, absolutely. That's, That's so true, right? And the same is true for anybody in sales. You know, you might be a medical rep, and when you started at the organisation, and this actually comes from an actual work we did with a pharmaceutical company, they got one of the most exciting treatments for prostate cancer. And when I spoke to the reps, they had four and a half thousand products, and when I asked them which ones they were most excited about, them, they were quoting me product codes and they couldn't really tell me. How how does it happen? <laughs> how does it happen that we forget that this is an incredible, you know, asthma treatment that is going to help a child to relax when they're writing their exams? That this is meaningful. That selling somebody a home. Booking somebody an air ticket, whether it's a business trip or whether it's a holiday, it's a high-stakes event in their life and in their world, and it's a privilege for us to participate in that. I mean, Nikki, you know this. When we get up on a stage, this is not something that we take lightly. We have a very high level of conviction about what it is that we're sharing and the, the, the value that it brings. And so often sales organizations or, 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 or or customers that are wanting to improve their sales, focus on the third C, which is competency. Let's teach them skills. And mm-hmm. look, guys, let's make no bones about it. People need skills. They need to understand questioning skills. They need to know how to pitch. They need to know how to prospect. They need to know, um, you know how to negotiate. They need to know how to close. They need to know how to qualify. All of these things are important. But if they have those skills and they have no clarity, they don't know where to oper- which market to operate in or what the strategy is or what they should be doing, those skills aren't gonna land. And if they have all the clarity and they have the skills, but they don't really believe in the cause, you're not going to get the discretionary efforts. They're not going to be creative and strategic and dig deep into that resilience that they need when it comes to closing a deal. Because this is you know, one of the most challenging jobs is bringing in revenue. So you've got to have that internal conviction to dig deep. And the culmination of that is real confidence. You know, Confidence is not bravado. Confidence is not being articulate. It's not about charisma. I, I, was, I, I listened to a great um, thing the other day about the guy who wrote the gift, book called The Gift of Fear. He said, charisma is a verb. It's not a noun. Charisma is something- <laughs> Love that. Different. Love that. Love that. But charisma is, and charisma, I mean, listen, you know, we'd love a bit of charisma, you know, but that's not confidence. Confidence is the combination of being clear, believing in the cause and having the skills to deliver. And what I realized and where this came from as I was working this out with this mentor around my issue of, of you know, not, not hitting the target on this, this product I was trying to resell was I didn't have the internal conviction. And when I got that internal conviction right, Nikki, and, that was, and that's the joy and privilege of founding my own business and running my own business. But I'll tell you something else. And, and leaders that are listening to this, you might find this interesting. I have two sales jobs now. I have to sell to our customers but I also have to sell to our salespeople. It's not enough to say to your salespeople, you know, just shut up and sell this. Oh, but how does it work? Oh, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Well, what about the warranty? Oh, don't worry about it. We'll sort it out. Oh, we don't have any stock. No, no, never mind. Just sell it. It doesn't work. This goes back to
0: exactly where we started this conversation that everybody is in sales, every leader has to sell on the vision of the company or what this division has to produce, deliver, perform, et cetera, it's a sales job because you've got to do it, as you said, with clarity because without clarity, the team can't go and sell, with conviction, uh, with that absolute belief in your purpose and of course, having the competency to, to sell to understand the transaction that you're in. Yes, you're not talking as a leader to the end user. You're talking to your salespeople, your team, but you've got to inspire them to go and do what they have to do at the coalface with confidence. So I am an absolute firm believer that whether you are a parent who is you know, selling that carrots are good for your vision at night, or whether you're a teacher who is having to enthuse children about doing homework or learning their times tables, or whether you are a leader in business, it's the very same set of skills applied to a different challenge or problem.
1: Yeah, with different stakes often. But you know, I mean, people say to me, oh, you know, sales is smarmy or sleazy and it's manipulative. And then I ask them this question, I ask them, what is the difference between manipulation and motivation? And my answer is the difference between motivation and manipulation is intent. Yeah. So, I mean, give you give an example. Everybody knows Jordan Belfort and the Wolf of Wall Street, right? And, yeah. and I, it, it really does amaze me. I mean, this is an individual who is a, a convicted con artist. I mean, he's a known criminal. But he was very effective at the selling part of it at a, at a particular time. Um, and it's it's interesting because in a way... People vacillate between is he a villain or is he a hero. I'm, I'm perfectly clear on where I sit on that line, just to be clear. But now imagine for a moment, let's say, let's say there's a, a broker or an advisor from um, Alan Gray or Investec. And they're calling a customer. And that same customer has been called by a Jordan Belfort type. And the Alan Gray or Investec representative says, you know what, this, these sales things are beneath me. But the person who's hustling and who has ill intent is willing to do whatever it takes to close the deal. In my world view, it is the responsibility of any of us who are running an ethical business with a quality product or service that solves a real world challenge in the real world, it is our responsibility to develop these skills to a level that by far outperforms those that are are operating in the market with ill intent. So for anybody who's listening to you, are we all selling? Nikki's right. We are all selling. Sometimes we've experienced manipulation and we think that's what sales is. But motivating, I mean, look at John Maxwell and how much respect for him. Think about the best boss you've ever had. The best boss or best leader you've ever had undoubtedly helped you to break through a comfort zone. They persuaded you to do something you didn't want to do for a benefit or an outcome, and ultimately you believe their emotion and logic over yours. We've all been there. And sometimes that has been the best thing that could have happened to us. Wouldn't you agree, Nikki? A hundred
0: percent. And of course, as a person who is selling something, you've got to have a product. And if you don't have products to sell or enough products to sell, you're also going to be in a bind. One of the things, and this goes back to conviction, as you said, the word conviction, it reminded me of when I was in direct selling. And I was one of the few area directors who bought in stock, because I believed enough in the cause and in the product that I knew we were going to move that stock. And if you don't have stock to sell, you don't sell it. So it's actually having that intention and having that vision and that clarity,
1: and then you will move that stock. Yeah, and actually, Nikki, you've also touched on a very other and another very important point there as a sales leader. There's an expression that says more is caught than taught, and so what it means is we often learn more by observing people. You know, it's not don't uh, it's not about what people say; it's about what people do. And we've got to be very cognizant. And I will tell you, this has been a steep learning curve for me from going from working on my to now you know, having a team meeting on a Monday morning and being exposed to other human beings and having to be aware of what energy am I bringing? And what am I expressing? And it might be something as simple as buying stock in to communicate to the team that actually my belief is high. And one of the best lessons that I ever learned, it wasn't a sales manager, but it was my ex-station manager Kingfisher FM in Port Elizabeth, Tien spinar And he said to me, the one day I said to him, don't you think you're expecting too much from this person? I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, firstly, I don't believe I'm expecting too much. I do believe that it is within their capability, although it's going to be a stretch. And he said, Shirley, we don't do anybody any favors when we don't believe the best about them or believe in their potential. I've never forgotten that. And some, you know, that was something that, that really instilled in me that, oh, this person believes in me and I trust them, they might be Right.
0: It's so important for us to have mirrors in our lives. And I think people are those mirrors for us, that they hold up a mirror for us to look into to see ourselves differently. And when we get too used to looking in the same mirror, then we stop growing. So it's vital that we are looking out for those mentors. And sometimes they find you. Are you listening? That's the question. Are you actually listening? Because people do sometimes see things in you that you don't see in yourself because they are looking at you from a different perspective. And it can be truly refreshing to hear the call if you are prepared to listen, if you really are listening to your universe and to act on it.
1: Yeah, and let me say something Nikki, around that, right? If, you, if anybody listening wants to um, improve their sales performance or you're considering, and if you want to go into a business on your own, my advice would be take a sales role first. If you've, if you've never sold, get out there and sell when somebody else's dime, cut your teeth, learn the, learn the ropes before you go in, into your own business.
0: I would 100% agree with that. And I think a stint in sales for anybody is a fantastic, fantastic plan.
1: Yeah, and for anybody, parents listening, your kids come out of varsity. Warren Buffett's first job was in sales. The um, the CEO of West Bank started in sales um, in secondhand cars. But what I want to say to anybody going in sales is you're going to need a thick skin, like make no bones about it. And I'm not talking about the rejection you get from customers. That's easy. A good sales manager is going to push on every tender spot. They are going to highlight every single weakness and your personal development issues that you've left unresolved for decades are going to manifest like right there in your face. And you're going to have very uncomfortable conversations about your performance and you're going to have a choice. So you've got to come into this teachable, humble, and willing to take tough feedback, or you will not overcome your barriers and improve your performance. It's just So you've really got to have that thick skin. And often we talk about the rejection from customers. Hmm. That's nothing compared to the conflict that you're going to have with colleagues um, and a very good sales manager.
0: Which speaks back to the the four Cs, particularly in uh, looking at this from my point of view, conviction and competency, because you'll constantly be challenged on your skills and competency and your level of conviction. And as you say, I think that was interesting you know, your unresolved personal stuff is going to come into play because if you don't resolve it, it reduces your confidence in yourself. And somebody might just hit on one of those old wounds, which will trigger you to respond in a way that maybe is not appropriate in that sales environment.
1: Yeah. And if you think about a sales engagement, imagine two, um, two magnets, right? And you've got the two like poles. One of those magnets has got to flip around. Okay, if you're going to be able to bring those magnets together. So there's two fields there. And when you're working with a customer, you have your field, your desired outcome. Okay, I don't want to say your agenda, although it is an agenda, but that implies something else. You have a desired outcome. They um, have a perception or desired outcome. The idea here is that you actually have to overcome their perception. And I, I hate the word dominates, but for want of a better word, you need to influence and infiltrate their perception to a point where you become the dominant perception. If you are a people pleaser and you are overly accommodating, you will not achieve this. So you need to be empathetic and a good listener, Nikki, as you've said. But you've got to be driven. You've got to be focused. And so if you haven't dealt with boundary issues, if you haven't dealt with learning how to be assertive, if you haven't learned how to be assertive, you're not going to be able to negotiate. You're going to want to cram underneath the table. So there's all sorts of opportunities here for your personal stuff to come out. And the conviction as well, you know, you've got to, um, and you kind of see this in um, Will Smith's pursuit of happiness. He believed in himself. And this is true not only for salespeople, I'm going to say this to any business owner, although you probably know this by now, especially with what we've just come through with COVID. You know, when you put your head down at night and the world is swirling around you and you don't know what's happening with cash flow and you don't know what's happening with your sales, you have to have that internal conviction that you can do this. So Nikki, you're so right that it starts with that self-belief and that self-confidence. And that is, that's kind of the base from which you've got to build everything else.
0: Shelley, you have just raised so many interesting thoughts for me. And the word that comes up right now is another C, and that is believing that you have a contribution to make Mm. and if you can go to bed at night knowing that what you are selling is making a contribution is making people's lives better easier more efficient etc if you really believe in that you can rest well at night
1: can i can i just um say this on the contribution thing nikki and this is something very close to my heart Sales has often been, you know, even to the point of mocked as a, as a profession. So I get very emotional when I think about this. We've just come through this pandemic where when I mean, businesses lost sales, people lose jobs. So I don't care if you're selling seeds to farms in Messina or you're selling Mercedes-Benz to people in Santa. When you don't sell, the entire economy suffers. Like there's make no bones about it. There are some roles that have been able to be absorbed by technology. Um, And look, I mean, I'm not downplaying the impact that that has on people's personal lives. In sales, we have a unique opportunity, but we have to actually understand the seriousness and the impact we can make. Vicky, sales is an essential economic service. If we cannot sell, we don't manufacture cars, we don't build homes, the planes don't fly, the trains don't run, um you know the clothing is not made the books are not delivered the carpets are not installed and the jobs are not created and pre-COVID small and medium businesses in South Africa accounted for 47 percent of the jobs in this country 47 percent of the jobs so you know if you have nothing else that you can feel a sense of contribution about and you think, oh, you know, I don't want to just go out there. And think I'm lucky to have a job in sales, you know, but I've got to drive around Jerry all day or drive around wherever it is that you're driving around. Think about the fact that every time you make a sale, in its wake, is demand for product, demand for service, logistics kicks in. It's literally all hinging on sales. And as small business owners, your success is our success. Uh, and I know we have a global audience here, but. This, I'm sure, will play out in different ways in your area. But for us here in South Africa, I would argue there are a few things more meaningful than getting behind job creation right now. That's an area we can all contribute.
0: Shelley, I see our time is nearing an end. And I just want to say to our listeners right now that I can see Shelley as we're having this conversation. And as we've reached this point in the conversation, she is so emotional, she has got Tears streaming down her face. And I I I've really got goosebumps. <laughs> I've got goosebumps up and down my arms and my legs because I share this passion, Shelly. And I've been at that coalface face of sales in previous careers. And I am at that coalface of sales every single day as a speaker. If I am not selling, I will not be in business. And I understand my role in the whole process, as, you, as you've just described. You know, the, we, we all have a role to play and sales has a critical role to play. So, when I think about this conversation, the kinds of things that have struck me that I think are important to highlight, that sales will survive in the fourth industrial revolution. There is always going to be the need for sales people who can do what AI can't, which is do the translation between the human and the service or the product that's required. So we need those people. They are essential in our economy, That they are part of the job creation process. I think that that was a stunning observation. The fact that sales can offer such a flexible career path If you, depending on what you want, you know, you can be a full-time salesperson who's on that road 10 hours a day, or you might want to be a little more flexible and at home more often, and it depends what products that you're actually going to be selling that will either enable that or not, and maybe also the price point of those products that you sell. I mean, when you're selling a car for a million rand or a house for five million rand, it's a very different scenario to when you have to sell lots of lower value items. That's a completely different um, strategy. And the fact that we need to be teachable, we need to be humble and sales will teach you so much about who you are in the world. And of course, I want to just add my fifth C to your fourth C's and that was you know, being a contribution sales is often or sales people are often seen as takers in it for the commission. But if you can reverse engineer that to being a contribution, I think then you find your purpose in the world. So you can link what you sell to your deep inner purpose. And when you do, you have that conviction that will create the energy for sales success And the last thing I want to mention is you use the word privilege, Uh, that being in sales can be a privilege. It's a privilege to be part of this transaction. And if you believe that you're making a contribution, then you really can believe in the fact that it is a privilege. And then going to work every day is not drudge work. It's an absolute privilege.
1: 100%. Shelley, it's been an absolute privilege
0: to have you on this podcast today. How do our listeners get hold of you if they would like to book you to speak at their event or maybe they might want to put their sales staff on one of your amazing training courses?
1: Nikki, so there's two websites they can go to um, and if you want to catch any of my personal blogs or anything like that, go to ShelleyWalters.com, that's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y, Walters.com. Uh, alternatively, um, the business email address. So the business is the Sales Council. Now it's council, S-E-L, is in to give SAGE advice, not a, a committee sitting around discussing what they're going to do. So it's the sales council, C-O-U-N-S-E-L.co.za. And you can also email us at hello at the sales
0: Shelly, thank you so much. And to any of our listeners out there, Shelly can really be such a boost to not just sales success, but really raising the bottom line of your organization. Shelly, thank you. And to our listeners, please send through your comments, questions, and topic suggestions to info at You're invited to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues to empower them to win at work and life too.